0: right here is a beautiful pond right near my house that I spend a lot of time at with my family. My sister and I often bring our kids here to play and to go for a walk and my husband walks our puppy around this lake most mornings. We love coming down here. Being a little pond, the main way that it stays full of water is just by catching the rain. It's not an active waterway, it just receives and holds the water that gets poured into it. It's still or maybe stagnant is actually a better word. The water in this pond, it just sits there. It doesn't flow onto anything or anywhere else. I'm sure we've all heard many definitions of the word grace. God's riches at Christ's expense, unmerited favor, getting what you don't deserve and not getting what you do deserve. And all of those are very true. And I thank God for that. But all of those paint grace as simply something that has been given to us that we just hold and are blessed by. We've received grace, thank God, but maybe grace isn't just something that we receive, hold and keep living our life. I don't believe that grace is stagnant. I don't believe that our personal salvation is its only purpose. I believe that when we encounter Jesus and accept the grace of God, that that grace becomes an active flowing current in our lives. And wherever there's running water, there has to be change and new life as a result. In John 1:16 it tells us that we've received grace upon grace which tells me that it's not just a one-time offer. God doesn't just give us salvation in one big downpour of grace. That's just the beginning. He continues to pour into us again and again different versions of his goodness. I think that He does this A, because He loves us, but also B, so that whatever He pours into us would also pour out of us and onto others. It's part of His design for how we live as children of God. He graces us to both receive and release His power, His kindness, His gifts. You see, we don't have to do anything to receive grace, but what are we going to do with it now? How does the grace that you've received extend beyond you? The parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 18 comes to mind when I think about the flow on effect of grace. It's the passage where Peter asks Jesus how many times he should forgive somebody, to which Jesus replies, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And then he tells him this story. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back but he refused instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt when the other servants saw what had happened they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened then the master called the servant in you wicked servant he said i cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all the debt owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I'm sure we'd all read this story and be disgusted at the man who had received grace but refused to extend it to somebody else. He was more than happy to receive grace, but for some reason that Jesus doesn't seem necessary to explain, there was a serious blockage in his heart to be able to let it flow. Maybe Jesus didn't give him a reason to point out that there is nothing that justifies a blockage of grace once we've received it. It seems to me that this man thought he was entitled to deal with his property the way that he decided, even though the king had dealt with his property with so much grace. His sense of entitlement meant that he was completely unchanged and really didn't grasp the gift of grace at all. To truly grasp grace means that we have an understanding that we are entitled to nothing but death, and therefore we are freely generous with everything. We freely give forgiveness, kindness, mercy, resource, patience, whatever it may be. We're willing to give it even if we feel justified in responding harshly or dishing a punishment. To our small human mind, grace is just sometimes completely absurd. And that's the whole point. I guess the question is then, how can we receive grace and not let it flow? I would say that if we really understand what grace cost and what Jesus did for us, it should be impossible to not be the kindest people on the planet following his example. You see, as humans, death is the biggest thing that changes how people live. People lose loved ones and decide to better themselves to honor those that they want to make proud. Death always changes the way that people live. And if it was by Jesus' death that grace was extended to us, then how can it not drive us to live better lives? How can it not make our relationships with others more important? How can it not make us want to live more and more like Him so that more and more people can experience the love of Jesus? How can we let him completely change our lives, but not let what he's done for us change the way we actually live? I love how this is explained in the message adaptation of 2 Corinthians 5. It puts it like this. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start and is created new. The old life is gone a new life emerges. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and Him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with Himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what He is doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. If we are truly connected to Christ, then a new life of grace has to emerge. That change has to take place. In Romans chapter 11, verse 6, it says that if grace were based on works, then grace would no longer be grace. The Bible and the gospel make it very clear that grace isn't something that we can earn. It's purely the kindness of God. It's something that is freely given and only needs to be accepted. Thank God we don't have to clean up our act. We don't have to be perfect or clean in order to come to God. However, if we are to truly accept His grace, the result is a clean, righteous life. We don't earn grace by living right, but when grace is received, a righteous life is produced. Picture this. God lives in the most beautiful house you've ever seen. And because God is holy and pure and perfect, his house is absolutely pristine and majestic. And you rock up to God's house covered head to toe in thick black mud. He opens the door and he takes a look at you. Does he just let you come in as you are, but doesn't let you come near him? Doesn't let you touch anything? Doesn't let you go anywhere? Or does he show you to the bathroom and give you a fresh, clean set of clothes and then embraces you like family and gives you access to everything inside that house? Which is more gracious? Grace comes with new clothes and a new home and new freedom and a new way of life. And all that is required of us is the willingness to put it on. He's asking us to put on our robe of righteousness so that we can truly have intimate connection with Him and so that we can take the riches of being in His family out and freely give to others, that those who would see us would catch a glimpse of His goodness. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 15. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself of people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. There's a continual washing that takes place when grace flows. Dirt creeps in, but the Holy Spirit points it out to us and helps us deal with it. Grace isn't just a get out of jail free card. In fact, it's always tied to righteousness. When it couldn't be tied to our righteousness, it was tied to His. And now that we're seen as righteous by God because of Him, we live up to the life that He purchased for us out of gratitude and love. Love for Him, love for each other, and love for those who don't know Him and need to see a picture of His love before they start on their journey to him. I want to take it back to the story of the king and his servants again. Did you notice that the servants who owed money actually asked for patience and the time to pay off their debt, not to be let off the hook? But what they received from the king was grace at its fullest value. Could he have given them an extended deadline to pay off their debt and that still would have been gracious? I think maybe that's just kindness in still getting what he deserved, but I don't think that actually would have been grace. The difference is that grace is given at full value. Nothing is off limits. If giving grace, it doesn't matter what we're losing. It doesn't have an end. How often do we mistake giving kindness in still getting what we deserve as grace? We let ourselves off the hook of really giving grace rather than letting others off the hook of giving us what we think we deserve. There's a peace given to us when we choose not to put an end or a limit to our grace and we let the Holy Spirit direct our responses. But we have to trust that when we go the whole hog and forgive as Christ did, that his heavenly reward is greater than any loss. Where does your grace end? Where's the limit? Does it run out at a certain price point? Does it run out after years of the same wrongs and the same arguments happening? Does it run out at a certain number of offences? Or are you willing to give grace upon grace or 70 times 7? The ability to extend grace at its fullest value readily and easily keeps us fresh and it keeps us fruitful. I'll leave you with this thought. In 1 Peter 4, verse 10, it says that each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Grace doesn't have to be reactive to a situation. It's proactive. We can use the gifts we have received to serve others constantly. Every day, being active in serving others, not just limiting grace to a response, is what really keeps the flow of grace going.
1: So we've just heard from Pastor Meg, on the topic flow. And to keep the conversation going, here are some discussion questions for you. Question number one, are there any blockages in your life that have stopped the flow of grace? What debris do you need to remove? Question number two, the scripture in Titus 2 verses 11 to 15 tells us that grace teaches us to say no to an ungodly life. How do you think grace teaches us in holy living. Discuss this with your group. Question number three, what are some ways that you can steward the grace of God in your life? What can you do today with what He's already given you to bless others? And once you've done this, there will be some prayer points on the screen for you to pray for. God bless.